Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. You see, whilst the other Cultaholic lads are talking about stuff that's happening in 2009, the year that Liam Neeson retroactively apologised for bad behaviour. We are here via our Icapro powered DeLorean in 1993, where Lex Luger is retroactively apologising for some bad behaviour. More on that in a bit. My name is Tom Campbell, fake Geordie radio presenter. I am with... The head pen of Cultaholic doesn't need a pencil, gets it right every time. If you have any questions about The Undertaker, hashtag Ask Justin Henry from off of America. So if Lex Luger were in Taken, would it be called Taken Roids? <laughs> I will find you and I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who you are. I don't know why you're... <laughs> but it... I will find you, and I will, t- I will hop on my big bus and track you down. <laughs> I will find you. It'll take me about three months, because I'm going from state to state, but I will find you. It's the call to action campaign. Incidentally, the reason that I mentioned that you are an all-seeing eye when it comes to The Undertaker, I would like to give a plug and an applause to Justin Henry. A video has dropped on the Cultaholic YouTube channel, which is a retrospective on the career of The Undertaker. And it's a fascinating 15-minute watch. Uh, it's brilliant. And then, Justin, you're the one that wrote it. Well, I can't take full credit for it. I also have to credit uh, my good friend Jack King on doing a wonderful narration on it. He absolutely and, did. And for new Cultaholic editor Owen Mawson, who did a great job editing it. It all came together very beautifully. I was very proud of how it turned out, and I'll take credit for the writing part, but those two, you deserve equal credit. Well, you three were a triple threat on that video, and I, and as not only a, a member of Cultaholic, but also a fan of Cultaholic, I really enjoyed it. It was really good. Well, speaking of triple threats, now would be a good time to talk about next week's show, since it will not be an episode of Monday Night Raw. We are going to do one of our classic, well... It's classic. classic. I mean, We've for... done one whole one. Okay, well, it's a throwback to two months ago when we did one. <laughs> we're, we're going to do a live – well, not live. We're going to record a watch-along for SummerSlam 1993, an audio commentary. It would be myself, Tom Campbell here, and our third wheel for this show will be 
a nice young lady who did a show with us a few months ago, Sydney Zumowitz, who was one of the Cultaholic Discord mods. She was not alive when that show took place, so a lot of this will be very interesting to her. Someone who was not a fan of that time frame, obviously. The Zumowitzes are slowly taking over this podcast. I don't quite know how I feel about it. Well, they are very supportive of us. And, well, we and I suppose treat... we should be supportive of them. Yeah, we're, all part of, <sighs> we're all part of the Cultaholics family as one. Fine. Yeah, so it'll be Justin Henry, Sydney, and myself watching SummerSlam 1993. So what? as with the King of the Ring 93 watch-along that we did, you'll be able to press play on the WWE Network version of SummerSlam 93 and press play on your listening device of choice at the same time. And it's basically like us three are doing commentary on the show. It's really good fun to do, and I'm very excited to do another one. It is interesting because it'll be a retrospective from my part, and it'll be... New to both of you, I believe. Yes, because again, like this isn't part of the WWF uh, backlog that uh, I'm not au fait with. I know what happens, but I've never watched it. I haven't watched Lex Luger's triumphant challenge to Yokozuna. So I'm excited <laughs> to sit and watch that this next week. And I'm excited to, to listen to you as you watch that. I'm sure the Lex Express will have been all worth it when Lex Luger has his hand raised at the end with the WWF Championship around his waist. Oh, I can't wait! I'm sure the only tragedy will be if Vince fails to get his deposit back on the bus. <laughs> oh, but we'll get to that next week. We've got a huge show this week. and We're going to start off uh, looking at something that... Um, that sort of happens after this show. It doesn't really affect the results of this show, but it's a big event that happened in the run-up to SummerSlam. And Justin, you watched this. I've never seen this. This isn't on the network. So I'm going to let you take it away with this one. Well, you see, back in the day, they would have these special week before events, before WrestleMania and SummerSlam and so forth. They were they were sort of like two-hour prototypes for the roles of the future. Semi-big matches, Hype jobs for the upcoming pay-per-view. And in this case, we have SummerSlam Spectacular, which which aired uh, eight nights before SummerSlam on Sunday, August 22nd, which is my father's birthday, coincidentally. Uh, this was a – how many matches do we have here? We have six matches, and all the champions were in action on this show. On, on this card, we had Yokozuna defeating Hacksaw Jim Duggan in a non-title match with a bonsai drop. I remember telling you that before on, on an old edition of this show. You're like, you're like, hey, Hacksaw lost. And I says, after Mr. Fuji interfered, you're like, God damn it. <laughs> he, can't, he can't lose clean. That was Hacksaw's last appearance of the company before, before the Raw Homecoming show in 2005, by the way. So that was it for poor Hacksaw. Uh, Razor Ramon defeated Blake Beverly. With a razor's edge after Blake hit an exposed turnbuckle because you have to protect Blake Beverly. Uh, Marty Jannetty pinned Dwayne Deal with a flying fish drop. Intercontinental title match. Shawn Michaels defeated Bob Backlund in about nine minutes with a roll up and using the component tights for leverage because you got to protect Bob Backlund. Oh, you got to protect Bob. Oh, yes. In a six man tag, the Smoking Guns and Tatanka defeated 
a jobber all-star team of Reno Riggins, Barry Horowitz, and the Brooklyn Brawler. <laughs> oh, that is a a proper rogues gallery of choppers. That is like if you had to send a team up in Space Jam to beat the aliens and it had to be jobber wrestlers, those would be the three you'd pick. Absolutely incredible. And in the main event, the reason why I'm sad this is not on WWE Network is I would have reviewed the hell out of this with you. In a steel cage match for the World Tag Team titles, the Steiner brothers defeated Money Incorporated. This was an amazing match. So would you say this is one of theirs in the company? Uh, from, it's, it could be second or third on the list. Uh, the ending for the match is actually really creative. and In fact, the, uh, the story of the match was actually pretty brilliant also. One, it, it's escape rules where one guy or both guys on the team ha have to get out in order to win. And what would happen is somebody would leave the cage, like say Rick Steiner would leave the cage, but Scott's all alone getting beaten up by both heels. So Rick has to climb back in and save his partner. Then, let's say IRS escapes. Now DBS is getting beaten up by both guys, so IRS has to return to the cage now. So it's the catch-22 that neither man can get out of the ring because it leaves them at a disadvantage. Exactly. And I think it came down to uh, Scott Steiner and IRS in the cage. Rick and Ted had both gotten out. And they're both doing the climb over at the same time. Iris has a slight lead over Scott. Rick gets under IRS so that Iris ends up on his shoulders and Scott jumps down for the win. Hey! It was a great match. Kind of a... Sort of a lost gem. And, and if WWE feels compelled to put it into their hidden gem section on the network, I would greatly appreciate that. The rest of the show I can do without... I'm not really up for seeing Marty Jannetty versus Dwayne Gill again, but I'd love to watch that cage match again in uh, in network quality. It does seem strange that this isn't on there yet. Seems a bit of a shoe-in. And it was Teddy Biasi's next-to-last match in the company, so it does have a little bit of historical precedent to it. Well, I'm hoping that we see it at some point, because it's a show I genuinely like to see. Well, there is a match on the show that is DiBiase's third to last match in the company, which we will be starting out with. Oh, it's so it is. So let's get into the into the rigors of this week's Monday Night Raw. Where and when are we, Justin? It is Monday night, August 16th, 1993. It was now this show was taped the same day that it aired, but it was taped earlier in the night because they had to fit in the two hour special afterwards. So this is probably about seven o'clock or maybe even eight o'clock on Monday night with the special beginning at 9 o'clock for, for filming purposes. So this is already in the can with live commentary over matches that were taped an hour, two hours before beforehand. Which is so anybody strange. that was sat near ringside would have been very confused by some of the references and the timing. Uh, perhaps, perhaps. It's, it is Poughkeepsie, New York at the Mid-Hudson Civic Center, which is a great venue for a TV taping, I think. It's a lovely venue, but I think based on last month... Which was in in a a a, a airplane hangar that was next door to Hell's Gate. I think anywhere was an improvement. Hell's airplane hangar. This is where this is where Hell Satan Air. parks his private jets. Yes, when Satan has to fly to the Bahamas for a territorial show out of Central States or Florida Championship <laughs> Wrestling or whatever. This is where it happens. Flies up with uh, Ron Fuller's relatives. Yeah, we took Saint Louis oh, on that one trip. Oh. 
Yeah, we took Satan, and the plane was having you know turbulence. And uh, anyway, <laughs> Ron Ron Fuller for those of you who don't know, he has his own podcast. I can't remember what the, what's it. It's like it's like the Stud Cast or something because he was called the Tennessee Stud. He tells some hilarious stories about the old days of the business, and there's one about his uncle flying a plane to the Bahamas that is hysterically funny. It's um, God, it's kind of an old show. Huh? It's called Ron it Fuller's Stud Cast. Ron Fuller Studcast. And it's, uh, I, it's funny because as soon as you said that, for some reason, I was called back to about two years ago. Um, it's a chap I'm friends with now, and, and his name is Michael Green. And Michael used to work at the wrestling shop in Newcastle. There used to be an actual shop that sold wrestling-based goods, believe it or not, like a physical <clears throat> shop um, called Phil Nelson's. Nice. There you go. And I remember I was going in to buy some buy to buy a DVD to give away on a, an old podcast I used to do with my boy Dave Roberts. And I mentioned like I was chatting away, and I said, "Oh, it's for it's for a podcast that I do." And this guy, Michael, just stopped. He went, "Everybody's got a podcast nowadays, mate." <laughs> And it's like that, and it's and it was eerily prophetic because at the time I thought, oh, Michael's a bit grumpy, which he isn't. He's lovely, but um, it's like nowadays because podcasts are having this resurgence. It truly is. Everybody has got a podcast. Well, that's kind of like the Andy Warhol thing, is it not? Well, it's the opposite of the old famous for fifteen minutes. I think. Yeah. Now you're famous forever in your own mind. Now you're famous. <laughs> now we seek. Now we seek anonymity for fifteen minutes. Well, have to be on the same wavelength as Ron Fuller and the people who do Serial, and 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 some other podcasts. Yes, uh, yes, every other podcast, in fact. <laughs> so this is the this is technically the go home raw before SummerSlam. If you ignore the fact that next week's uh, SummerSlam Spectacular, which actually aired. On an encore presentation in the Raw time slot on Monday night, then this is the go home roll. Okay. So we start out with, well, we start out minus the standard opening shot of the commentators at ringside with Vince Savage and Heenan, which he, which is kind of a clue that this was um, pre-recorded, because already we hear the audio bleeding in over the crowd noise in kind of a irregular fashion. Immediately, like the. The appalling sound mixing that is prevalent in WWF at this era just just jumps out at you. Well, at least they have an excuse this time because this is the same night, so they kind of have to get it out in, in sort of a helter-skelter fashion. Yeah, they've got to put to, it out just quick. As opposed to the two weeks they had for last week's show, which you know, even a college student in, in, Austin, in Austin Zumbawitz pointed out to us. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> So we start out with the one, two, three kid versus the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. And this has a backstory to it. DiBiase tried to beat Kid in the match with the Superstars a few weeks ago. In order to prove a point to Razor Ramon, got too cocky, laid across Kid in a very in very lackadaisical fashion, but got crucifixed over into a pinfall. And of course he had egg on his face as a result. So now this time he really means business and he's not gonna let that happen again, we think. So we think. Yes, Kid is uh, still a bit apprehensive as part of his gimmick. Like, he's a great wrestler, but he still has that sort of a youthful shyness about himself. He still realizes he's a, he's a bit fish out of water. He's still, in his mind, possibly a boy in a man's world. 
We may have gotten a few lucky wins so far. Uh, Vince loves the one, two, three chant. He can't stop laughing at it. I think he's just happy that somebody, somebody, he's he's fascinated how somebody is organically getting over. It seems. <laughs> Boy, imagine how loud the chants would be if he was a heavyweight. Imagine if Lex Luger was here now. As Vince should have had his have. Start Luger out as a jobber and have him lose the or have him beat Razor in an upset. <laughs> People just still the, cheered for Razor. <laughs> I want to see the Luger salt. <laughs> I don't. I think Lex Luger would break his spine. <laughs> flipping, he flipping oh, forearm smashing. Because he's so rigid at the best of times. That guy doing a moonsault, he'd break his back. <laughs> Are you saying you don't want to see Lucha Lex? I I, it's not that I don't want to see Lucha Lex. I'm just frightened because he's so rigid. And I think that's the one thing that makes me uneasy about watching Lex Luger is that he is. It's like somebody has put a put a broom up his backside and put a coat hanger over his shoulders. Like he's so rigid. Are you saying that in every match you have a Ric Flair Flair told him, calm down, it's going to be OK. And then they made magic together. <laughs> Yes, they'd be perfect. <laughs> that may be the case, actually. And they were in the 80s, before the early 90s, before this. That was late 80s, wasn't it? As Luger and Flair bounced around a bit, didn't they? Uh, yeah, I'd say between, I'm going to guess, 87 through 90. And it should have been 91, if not for Jim Hurd. Uh, so, DiBiase jumps Kid at the bell. And he's, he's beating Kid down a little bit. He's establishing control. And then Razor Ramon calls into the show. God, I miss these. I love the idea of Razor Ramon being on like a burnt out phone, public phone on the streets of New York somewhere. Because he would have been in the building because they were taping episodes after. So he would have been around. And I, I'd want to think they just sent him outside. Can you just go out and phone in? <laughs> You have to tell a wrestler in this era to phone it in. Hey! So, well, not Razor. Razor was a very hard worker. And Razor calls in. He's uh, doing the whole, hey, Mike, can you hear me? He's doing, you know, the faux accent that he would put on the... Oh, he's re oh he really lays it on thick at this point, doesn't he? Hey, oh, Mike, can you hear me? Vince McMahon, can you hear me? I don't know why he's had a stroke. <laughs> Maybe he hadn't watched Scarface in a while and forgotten how the voice went. So he might have needed a refresh. So now he's doing Elvis for some reason. And the million dollar man. And the Owen man. Razor Presley. <laughs> John! John! John over John the week! Hunka, hunka, chico. Elvis Ramon. John. <laughs> well, I, I think there wasn't Elvis Ramon in the Ramones later on. One of the uh, fake relatives of the Ramones that came in when guys started leaving the band. <laughs> the, I, um, the, what was the name of the fake Von Eric? Uh, Lance. The Lance Von Eric of the Ramones. <laughs> <laughs> he was an imposter cousin. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, Razor's going on about, you know, one, two, three, Kid and about Money Incorporated. It's at this point in the match that I realized that Kid's numbers on his tights are upside down. He oh, no. Unless he's, he has... the th unless he's the three, two, one, Kid now. 
So he's like a rocket ship then. <laughs> he's, he's blasting he's, off. He's the rocket man. Burning <laughs> out of fuel up here alone. <laughs> I think it's going to be a long, long time. Before Lex Luger wins the belt. <laughs> I want... Oh, my God. I've just realised that... the Okay, so if, you, if you're new to this, this... I, I promise... I apologise. This might be a bit lost on you. But the way that these Lex Luger interviews have been going with the like just on the black background and the the fades in and out to close up lex and all this this is the same way they filmed william shatner rocket man i told you that two weeks ago on the you, show you did but i forgot and <laughs> so so now all i'm gonna think when i watch this again is lex luger and i think it's gonna be a long long time It's going to be a long, long time before the Lex Express reaches the Palace of Auburn Hills. <laughs> and I somehow screw up the big opportunity. Oh, no, no, no. Because <laughs> I'm a package man. <laughs> you know, oh. Vince is trying to get... Oh. Vince is trying to get Lex Luger over here, and I, I gotta say it's working because here's a match between the one, two, three kid and Ted DiBiase, and we're talking about Lex Luger. It's yeah, I mean it's true, it's worked. Well, it's worked on us. Uh, so we get this awkward spot when DiBiase sends kid in the ropes, and he just jumps to the floor, and there's like this awkward stall as he's like selling on the floor. I think you're supposed to like you know be. Sp- be rocketed through the ropes to the floor. Man, like, here I'm bringing a rocket back into it. And he's supposed to be like down selling, but just I don't know, just something weird there. And then we get a, like, a, an actual botch as Kid goes for a head scissors, and instead he kind of just like spinning heel kicks DiBiase to the ground, gets to the two count out of it because they just went with it. So they're kind of on different pages here, and it's a little it's a little bit evident. Kid gets a diving body press for two. He, he goes up again. This time, IRS hits the ring and shoves him down for the DQ. Making Boo the same IRS! <laughs> yes, uh, that cad. Making the save and Razor Steed is uh, Rick and Scott Steiner. We get a really funny moment here where after they clear the ring of Money, Inc., Kid's still down. He hasn't moved. Like, he is just completely motionless. Rick is running around, Rick is running around the ring doing the hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo that he does, and he's running around Kid's dead body. <laughs> like... This guy can have a broken neck or broken back, and you're busy barking at the fans. Like, oh, wait, he's motionless. <laughs> Should probably help him somehow. I was, I, I kind of think they missed a trick here, and it would have kind of ruined the suspension of disbelief. But it would have been funny yep. if Razor Ramon was on the phone, and then that started happening where IRS ran out, and he just goes, I'm going to call you back, man. And you just hear the phone drop, and then you see Razor running out to the ring. And as he or, runs out, like quarters fall out of his pocket. <laughs> or get Razor to hit the ring with Paul Heyman's old cell phone. Oh, that'd be even better. Oh, that'd be even better. <laughs> and just bash Iris right in the skull with it. It'd be incredible. But no, it was good to see the Steiners running out and making the save. That was fun. 
Well, you're because you're foreshadowing the cage match on next week's show. So they kind of had a reason to be out there. Exactly. And then, and then in a moment that will, I thought was going to live in infamy, in the moment here I was kind of um, cringing because I couldn't remember. I could not remember what this was going to be. Randy Savage tells the audience that he has a surprise that will satisfy everybody. Oh my days! This this bit does not age well. No, it doesn't. This does not age well. We won't <laughs> spoil it, but this does not age well. I will say I was not entirely saddened by what we got. I mean, I I didn't really. It's one of them things where, say you're at a party, say say, mm-hmm. say it's a family gathering, and you're told at the start of the family, oh, Uncle Uncle Alan's got a really good joke that he wants to tell you. He's going to tell you later. Like you're not you're not hot with anticipation for Uncle Alan's joke. You just know it's a thing that's going to happen, and then it happens, and you go, hey, okay. Anyway, it's not like the beginning, the be all, or the end all, or the highlight of the do. It's just that oh, Uncle Alan's going to tell a joke in a bit. Okay, sure. Well, I mean, so, you know that. what? <laughs> I mean, there's only so much he could do with the whole surprise element. Yeah, you know, it's not like he's going to show up to your house and give you like a motorcycle or something. But it's nah. it's funny because like in this day and age, if a if a guy like Macho Man was to say, "I've got a big surprise," the surprise would be like, "I'm coming out of retirement." Yeah, I'm coming to fight, and that'd be amazing. Like I'm back full time. Like in your head, you're kind of going, maybe it's that. That'd be cool. But anyway, we don't want to spoil what it actually is. No, you'll be satisfied at the end of the show, as Savage has promised. Come out of commercial, we have three guys in the crowd wearing tuxedo shirts and bow ties with pink WWF letters on the fronts of the shirts. What lovely boys they were. We need three people to go to Double or Nothing in May and do that with AEW on their shirts. <laughs> and, and stand the wrong way around. Yeah, like, <laughs> Wea, <Wea-a>, who's Wea? <laughs> who's Wea? Every time I... Or, or, or better yet, better yet, better yet. Um, a... So what you do... A-W-E, so it just spells... Aw. <laughs> oh, Cody Rhodes' dog is cute. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get an even better visual. Well, actually, a combination of visual sound effect. As we see Femmes Clarities, the... Rather attractive ring woman carrying around the ring sign while wearing evening wear. And she looks great as she usually does. And then the head shrinkers music starts up, so you have this lovely woman, dark hair, beautiful smile, you know, dressed she, very uh we'll say very lovely. And she's smiling at the camera, and then you hear the shrieking sounds of the head shrinkers uh you know, tribal drum music in the background. <laughs> just, it's definitely 1993. It is very 1993. This is a weird <laughs> combination. I and and they're still persisting with the raw puns because and and you can tell they're running out of ideas because the sign that she was holding up just said, "Do you like home cooking? I prefer it raw." <laughs> well, don't <laughs> eat it raw because you'll die. <laughs> Well, yes, and there's a whole legal element to it. Yeah, don't you'll die. You I will say mistake. though. I will say, however, on all the shows before this, it was always like various girls that'd be out there carrying the signs, and they would squeeze in the Rosati sisters once in a while, the middle-aged, heavy-set women. 
<laughs> that's like a little bit of a gag. We haven't seen any of them in a while because it's been like all Semis ever since. Yeah, they seem to be phasing them out, which is a shame because I was a big fan of them. That's how high they were on Themis, if you couldn't tell. Like, we, Christ, we don't need anybody else. Just We have the one right here. Just pay this one to keep walking out. But I'm sad that the, the Rosatis aren't getting a look in. I, I genuinely miss them more than I miss Jim Duggan. So what you're saying, you'd rather have the Rosatis here than Themis Clarities? No, I'd rather have the Rosatis here than Jim Duggan. <laughs> <laughs> At least the Rosatis would put over Yokozuna. No, they didn't. <laughs> they would if they were asked to. But they weren't asked to, so we don't know now, do we? <laughs> That's an intergender match the world needs. By the way, I should point out that for a bit of a timestamp on this podcast here, let me just state for the record that both Austin and Sydney have messaged me in the last two minutes to inform me that they have their double or nothing tickets, and they are very happy. Way! Congratulations, peoples. Actually, today I found out that um, AEW are doing a show at the Royal Albert Hall. Yes, they are. Famously where Lord Alfred Hayes lived. That's right, and we're Undertaker's... Uh, Enter to the Phantom of the Opera version of his theme music. Incredible. I'm quite, I'm very excited to see them at Royal Albert Hall. What we need now is for that same uh, organ, same organist to do uh, Jericho's uh, Judas song on the organ. That would be unreal. <laughs> I think the pop that Pac is going to get at the Royal Albert Hall will be worth it for that alone. <laughs> Should be a big deal. I'm, he used the pun here, but I'm all in on AEW. I'm very excited by AEW. Like they, they, they don't feel just like a t-shirt company now. They actually feel like a proper wrestling company. Yeah, this is going to be a very interesting year. And it's just fun to see. It's it's fun to have that feeling again that there's another company in operation. But the the thing is, everybody, a lot of people are saying, oh, it's the Monday Night War all over again. It's not because the world has changed so much. And here's the mm -hmm. thing we haven't got to. And I discussed this the other day with my good friend, Dave Roberts. Um, uh, me and Dave do a podcast called Dave and Tom Versus. You can find it on my Twitter. Um, and we talked about this. And the difference is, is that, like, during the height of the Monday Night Raw, you had to choose whether you watch Nitro or Raw, because both are mm -hmm. on at the same time. We now live in a world, though, where you've got catch-up, watch again, you've, we've got networks and archives. You haven't got to choose which mm -hmm. one you watch. You can just watch, as you said on Twitter yourself, Justin Henry, I'm going to watch both. Yeah, because it's... Not everything in life has to be you know, Team Jacob versus Team Edward or whatever the hell that was from uh, the Twilight movies. You don't have to pick side. You can watch everything. Exactly. You just watch stuff that you like. If AEW does stuff that you like, then you watch it. Okay, here's a more contemporary example from, uh, from history. Not everything has to be Capulets and Montagues. <laughs> that is very contemporary. Well done, mate. Not everything <laughs> has got to be Team Caveman versus Team Dinosaur. They did not exist at the same time. As Lois Black says, there are people who watch the Flintstones and think it's a documentary. Uh, mate, it is. And cigarettes existed at the same time because Fred <laughs> Flintstone used to love a cigarette around the back of his house. And he had glasses because Mr. Sleep wore them. I saw them. And they had music and vinyl records played with a, with a bird. And the, and the animals talked. Hell, my cat can't do that, so obviously we're de-evolving. And, uh, exactly. All the animals used to say, hey, it's a living. Because they all had money to make. 
And it was a documentary, so your mate can shut up. <laughs> my my mate is a comedian who's seven years old that I've never met. His name's Lewis Black. He's a filthy liar, and he can shut up. <laughs> well, speaking of um, Christ, I had no segue there. Speak, speak Go on, of come stuff. on, come on, Justin, come on, okay. segue okay. this, segue from the Flintstones back to Monday Night Raw of '93. Come on, I believe in you. <laughs> Okay, speaking of primitive, here's wrestling from 1993. Yes! He did it! <laughs> Ten points! The Headshrinkers versus Mike Corey and Dave Moraldo. <laughs> what might... a double like this is! I want to give Dave Moraldo an award. Because, <laughs> well, I'll explain why in a moment. I think I know why. <laughs> Vince references the anniversary of the death of Elvis Presley. And, <laughs> yeah, and, but why? Why? Why does that well, come about? Well, well, hang on. Well, Elvis is kind of a, a a big deal here in the United States. You have to understand. Yeah, but it just seemed like to go. To, I don't know why at that point he decided to lower the tone and go. Well, oh, look, us. What a night this is. And of course, tonight is the anniversary of the death of Elvis. Well, I think for a time there, Elvis's death was often referenced on the news, like the anniversary of, because he was that big of a star. Uh, okay. So, so it would have been in the news anyway, and um. So, here's a sign of schizo events. He, he, he talks about the death of Elvis. I repeat his last three words, death of Elvis. Vince is talking about that. And then Bobby Heenan talks about the death of Elvis. And then Vince questions him saying, oh, so you think Elvis is dead? It's like, didn't you just say that Elvis is dead, Vince? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. And then Vince goes on this diatribe about how... There's a percentage of people in America who believe that Elvis is alive and hiding away somewhere. Well, yeah, that's um, I think it's still the case today. It's has been Elvis sightings, quote unquote, over the years. Elvis <laughs> and is... Eddie Guerrero are working in the same monastery. Yes, they're. Uh... I guess Elvis drives a low rider once in a while, and uh, they lie, cheat, and steal their way to championship victories. And in terms Elvis of the... talk. The day that we're karate. recording this, the day we're recording this, which is a Monday, just to, again to, to give it a timestamp, it's the anniversary of Eddie Guerrero beating Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship, which is which is an incredible well, incredible no. match, defo worth watching, um, and it, and reflecting on the death of Eddie Guerrero, and I need to say before I say what I'm gonna say. Like, genuinely, the, the biggest loss to wrestling is Eddie Guerrero. Like, actual tragedy. Because one of the greats, he, he, he was tortured to an extent, and he had demons that he fought through. But my goodness, what a performer. Uh, we'll never see the likes of again. Mm -hmm. Saying that, if he is Elvis in the sense of he's hidden away somewhere, if he did a run-in on a pay-per-view... <laughs> could you imagine and, and I, I talked we one night we were several beers in talked about this me and a few friends in the pub and it was like imagine if he did a run in on Sunday at the pay-per-view like that'd be terrible that'd be disgusting yeah but you'd watch Raw the next night wouldn't you hell so yeah you would yeah of course you would but it'd be disgusting now don't matter you'd watch Raw if Eddie did a run in on Sunday you'd watch Raw on Monday Hell, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it'd be on all the news shows the next morning. Oh, Wrestler who's been deceased for 13 years pops up at a pay-per-view. It's like, 
my god. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I would call several people who would have already been asleep and say, hey, you're not going to believe this. Um, yeah, Eddie Guerrero's at the chamber. I, I don't know how this happens. Eddie Guerrero's done a running at the chamber. Well, speaking of... Uh... Come on, segue. <laughs> John, I think, John, John, whilst Justin is segueing, John, can you Photoshop Justin on a segue? Sure, why not? Thanks, John. Photoshop, John. Love you, John Eiley. Thank you, John. I was going to say, uh, speaking of people who sell really well, because Eddie could sell very well. Oh, it was brilliant. We go to Dave Moraldo in this match. <laughs> Samu, head drinker Samu, gives a devastating Savak kick to Moraldo's head. And Moraldo, like the parrot in the Monty Python sketch, ceases to be. Samu rolls him like a log to his own corner where Mike Corey is standing, a horrified Mike Corey. Moraldo has not moved. He's only moving because Samu is manually moving him. He doesn't even make a tag. Samu just punches Corey and pulls him into the ring as Moraldo lays there and lays there (laughs) and lays there. (laughs) Is he dead? He may very well have been. He he has ceased to move. I, I watched this genuinely thinking, like, is he okay? You okay, hon? You you haven't moved. He does not pull his head up, pull his hand up any point to like grab his head in pain. He doesn't like kick a leg to like. This is a sign of life. Perfectly still. Dave Moraldo invented planking. (laughs) And he is just on the outside of the ring, like he's just like he's on the apron, just flat out dead, just dead. (laughs) He hasn't moved. If that was a Ring of Honor or PWG show, guys would have done apron bumps landing on him for the remainder of the night. <laughs> they just left him. There. <laughs> he ain't going anywhere. We see a vicious double flapjack on poor Mike Corey, who at least you know has his uh, has his bearings somewhat. And then we get an alley oop throat drop on the top rope, <laughs> which uh, I think it's Fatu picks Corey up by the legs like he's going for a hot shot. And Samu grabs him by the back of the head from the apron and just throws him as hard as he can on the top rope. Devastating move. At this point, Bobby Heenan notices that Dave Moraldo is possibly deceased and makes reference to the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, which is great because in, because in three days it actually is Valentine's Day here. Yeah, it ties in quite nicely to our timeline. Not so much theirs, but definitely ours. <laughs> Simone Splash finishes. It was a brutal squash in a really good way. It's at this point that Vince makes reference to the six-man tag at SummerSlam. All the while, Hedge... Dave is still dead. Yes. yes. Dave Marauder is, is done for. I'm not sure we'll ever see him again, quite frankly. I don't... I'm just... I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by this body of work from Dave Marauder, who comes out to the ring, takes a <laughs> kick to the head, and then just lies still. <laughs> He got paid for that. Now, my dad accuses me of stealing a living because I, because I work on the radio and do this. But that is stealing a living. He earned, he earned about $20 that night just lying down. Okay, well, pick one. Would you rather him get hit with a finishing move and then jump back up? Because I saw a clip. I don't know what promotion this was. Of two guys hitting each other back and forth with Canadian Destroyers. One guy does it, the guy takes him and rolls backwards, then hits the other guy with it, and I'm selling any of them. 
Oh, yeah, what? I did see that. I don't know where it was from, but there was a lot of Canadian destroyers going around. I applaud Dave Moraldo. It's, it's, and... I mean, it's, it's amazing. And I kind of think that they missed a trick. And they should have had more matches with Dave Moraldo in, in which he's just basically made of glass. So he comes <laughs> out, just the first move he takes, he just hits the deck, just completely decks it. And that's it. He's done. And the wrestlers will like pick him up, do another move on him, but he's done. That's it. That's his whole night. Saron so the Rousey the puts jobbers. him in a twisting arm. Saron so the Rousey puts him in a twisting arm bar and, he, and he's just dead. He can't he's even tap out. He's, he's just out. Didn't Rigor Dean Ambrose do that recently at a WWE show? Yeah, he just said screw it and just, and just took, lay down, took a pin. Like, okay, cool. I'm out in April. But that was so it because he um, didn't didn't he have a match with Seth Rollins like a hardcore match Seth Rollins and he got beaten down he got pinned that was it he took the curb stomp got pinned for three and then laying. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The ring. Seth Rollins celebrates, goes to the back. Dean doesn't move. The crowd are leaving, because that's the main event. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't move. The ring crew start taking the ring down. And Dean Ambrose is still in the center of the ring, not moving. That's pretty awesome, actually. It's amazing. There's pictures, you can find them, of like the, the arena half empty, the ring coming down, and there's Dean Ambrose just crumpled in the middle. <laughs> That's called selling. He's the Dave Moraldo that we never knew we had. So... Would a flak jacket have helped Dave Moraldo in the shield? <laughs> I think I think it probably would. <laughs> so Savage Randy Savage being the king of tact that he is says, We need to clean the ring. Like, dude, they're <laughs> they're unconscious. You know this, this isn't like Sandman at the Apollo Theater where he pulls the broom out and just sweeps him out of the ring. They need help. <laughs> I wish he had just got a broom and just pushed him out of the ring and carried on. And then Doink pulls him under the ring. That'd be a great exhibit A for the concussion class action lawsuit. As you can see here, Mr. Moraldo, <laughs> he plaintiff was unconscious. <laughs> Let's bring him in as a character witness. He's still out. The king of selling. Selling the move 30 years on. <laughs> 
commitment. <laughs> nice commitment to your art. So, SummerSlam Report, sponsored by Chevy Trucks, fighters of a foreign menace. Like a rock. <laughs> and we have a pretty complete card here, although there are three matches that have been referenced but are not part of the graphic montage here. Lex Luger versus Yokozuna for the WWE Championship, and there's a nice hasty Jim Cornette Photoshop in there, where, where he, has, he has replaced Yoko's right arm and is apparently either four foot five or Yoko's eight feet tall. <laughs> they did, that was such a botch job. That is blatantly a work experience, lad, doing that. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mr. Fushi's kind of half hiding behind Yoko like it's Hogan's Alley or something. <laughs> Bret Hart versus Jerry Lawler for the kingship. Undertaker versus Giant Gonzalez in the No Rules Known match, aka the RIP match. Intercontinental title, Mr. Perk versus Shawn Michaels. Marty Jannetty is going to face Ludwig Borga, who we have not seen on Raw yet, save for one vignette. They're really big in this matchup as well. Yeah, Borga, they kind of had a lot of faith in because, I mean, well, look at him. It's kind of scary looking. He certainly looks the part. He could fight the part too, but he wasn't the best. Uh, wasn't the best technician. Let's put it that way. World tagging titles are on the line. The Steiner Brothers take on the Heavenly Bodies, and then there are three matches with no graphics, but they are Razor Ramon versus Ted DiBiase, the One Two Three Kid versus IRS, and a six-man tag with a Tatanka and the Smoking Guns versus Bam Bam Bigelow and the Head Shrinkers. I mean, beside One Two Three Kid and IRS. That doesn't shake up as a bad show. What well, kid IRS is, it sounds decent, doesn't it? Oh, it just it just feels like a match they could have on Raw. You know, hey. I'd rather them just go uh, Ramon and One Two Three Kid versus Money Inc. You know, I don't I I don't need to see IRS Tom. versus One Two Three Kid. Tom, when I was six years old, I went to SummerSlam 1990 in Philadelphia and had a wonderful time. On that show, we had the Warlord versus Tito Santana. We had Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Nikolai Volkoff versus the Orient Express. Jake Roberts versus Bad News Brown. We had a dark match with Playboy Buddy Rose versus Shane Douglas. Oh, wow. This is, I mean, I liked it all because I was a six-year-old kid. But I mean, that's how it was back then. Not everything was like a marquee match. You just got everybody involved. Fair enough. That's fair enough. I just think so, that I just think that you could have, in my opinion, like this week on Raw, one two three kid faces Ted DiBiase, who I always see as the leader of Money Inc. Okay. And, and then on therefore on Sunday he's going to face a henchman of Ted DiBiase. Technically, that's that's uh, how I see it. I might be wrong. I might be giving Irwin a bad shake. But then the best part of this SummerSlam thing comes at the very end when Minji makes his quote-unquote live reference to what's going on on the show, the commentary team or whatever. He calls Bobby Heenan the weasel, which Heenan takes offense to. Heenan responds by calling Urkel a skinhead. Oh, this is, oh, that line where Bobby Heenan says, I'm going to lift you up by your ears so high that your hair will finally meet. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> I must admit, I almost, I almost lost a whole mouthful of Coca-Cola on the skinhead part because I did not see that coming. That was so good. I, I can't imagine me and in like a white wife beater holding a knife out in the street somewhere. <laughs> That's the last person I would think of. 
So we have Bastion Booger eating an ice cream bar. Initially, he's filmed from below, which is a horrifying sight. Thing is, this is my uh, this is my uh, pre-workout as well. WWF ice cream bars. This is how I get ready for a, a, a cardio session. I need to get me some of them. Yeah. They need to bring them back. I'm all about them. CM Punk tried. He tried. He did. He, it was sterling effort. A sterling effort. So we have Bastion Booger versus Marty Jannetty. Wait. Now, I'm going to call it. I don't think this is going to crack Marty Jannetty's top three on Monday Night Raw. Maybe not as top three, but I'll tell you what. I was surprised by this match. Same. I was I was the same. But my initial thought was, ooh, this is going to lower the batting average. But as, as same as you, I was very surprised. Booger was really, really trying here to keep up with Janetti. And that's not easy to do. Now, Marty's a great worker. He can carry a lot of different people. I didn't think Booger was going to be one of them. No, because Bastian Booger is a big bloke with a big hump. Which is which is on his back because of the ring attire he is given, that gives it that impression. So he's already limited. So I was ready for this to be a bit of a just a, a mess. But like you say, kept up. There was a one point where Janetti was doing arm drags and Booger was flying all over the place. Yeah, Booger. He had some good matches in his day when he was mocking Sing up and Stampede. Him and Owen Hart had some pretty good matches with each other. A, very, a young babyface Owen. So this is kind of a uh, well, the booger wasn't like he wasn't like a physically dominating him the way that that, that Mako Singh would dominate Owen. It wasn't like he was the monster heel. He he was he was just some big schlub. No offense. That was just taking a bunch of offense and uh, mounted a bit of a comeback later on. It, it, it was very non-formulaic. Marty did have on his 1991 rocker attire and patriotic wristbands because he's pulling for Luger, as we all are. Yes, because, you know, go America. So Marty's playing cat and mouse with him. He's trying to leverage Booger around the ring. Uh, so it's a crossbody for two. And then come the arm drags, which I did a double take on that. <laughs> I was expecting I Booger to fly around like that. Because Booger was really going for it. If it was Bam Bam, I could see that because Bam Bam was a little more aerodynamic. Booger, uh, not quite. But here he was gave it the old college try. Booger goes to the floor. Marty with a diving fist off the top rope, knocking Booger down. Marty is going for it on this show. He is holding nothing back. We're really in a golden age of Marty Jannetty, aren't we? It oh, really feels are. like it. Like this guy is is a workhorse, and I'm re- and it's it's such a shame that it all panned out the way it did because every week I watch him and I'm pulling for him because he's he's actually great at this point he's crisp he's fresh he's fast i just like i'm a big Janetti fan right now marty can do no wrong when he's inside the ring he gets a pescado near the slingshot splash of the floor and he posts booger's arm at one point doing everything he can to keep the big guy down and mastin booger when he's getting his arm smashed against that ring post he looks like a wounded animal like i always feel sad for him he looks like a walrus that is like near death he really does and he's so big like he can't his body doesn't move too much when he gets his arm smashed against the post because he's so big so he just just looks like he's just lying there like just like unable to defend himself from pain 
Damn, he's also probably tired from all the bumps he just took. Yeah, and he's probably exhausted. <laughs> so back to the floor. Booger sends him into the post, and Marty does the tumble sell off of it that he's kind of known for. Then Marty put, actually Booger puts Marty against the post, and then Avalanche is him, and there's a big clang. Big clang. Back inside the ring, Marty tries to make a comeback. Goes for a sunset flip, which is inadvisable versus a big man. Booger takes him on the trip to the Batcave, my favorite move name ever. <laughs> Describe the trip to the Batcave. Well, when Booger does it proper, he stands over the opponent's chest as, he, as if it's Cleveland steamer time. He puts, his, he puts his arms out to the side and does his little hip swivel dance thing, which is very disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing it now I can't stop laughing because he looks so happy when he does it and then he does this sort of sit down splash where he puts his feet backwards and lands on his knees but his butt and all the accumulated weight land right on your chest and his shall we say his grundle is right on your chin <laughs> hence the name trip to the back cave yes Christ what a bleak image so he hits that, and Marty should, by, by all accounts, either be dead or looking for another line of work at this point, because how do you come back from that? One, two, but then Marty throws the legs up and goes for a sunset flip counter, which his shoulders were down for three, but I'll ignore that. But instead, Marty gets a three on Booger, and that's that. That was a fun little match. Do you know what? It really was. It was. It blew my expectations out of the water, because my expectations were nothing. But it was, it was a really good match, and again, it's just Janetti overcoming the odds. And Booger looked good. Like, the whole Bastion Booger character is, has got no future. Really hasn't. But on this occasion, on this night, I thought, oh, he looks like he could be a thing. Yeah, I mean, Booger had like, a de- he had, like, a decent amount of personality to him. He was, he, he was a pretty funny guy in his own right. But he, was, he also had a scary look to him. Like, he, like he could have been a monster heel. Instead of just being a character whose gimmick is, uh, you know, I mean, you know, no disrespect to Mike Shaw, but he was kind of a, just a disgusting sack of crap. That was I wonder whether because he was so similar to Bam Bam Bigelow that it was you you couldn't really make him a, a monster because Bam Bam Bigelow is already in that role. Uh, it's it's possible, but why would you just squander you know a big guy like that on a gimmick that has no upside to it at all? Could you not have made them a tag team? Put put Booger in the flames nah. as well. Now you need Bam Bam on his own. He was his own. He was his own guy. Fair enough. Yeah, Booger, I mean, just something other than Bastion Booger. I'm not. I'm not saying he was the greatest in the world or anything, but it's like you know you want to get the most out of him, don't you? Yeah, you might. You know, and he's not like he comes across as a nice guy. He's not a terrible worker, as this match proves. He can go with the right people. Mm-hmm. Although the Survivor Series showdown show for this year is up is up on the network, and he does face Doink on that show, and um, well, that's kind of Booger at his worst. If if you want if you want to dare review that with me, a few months time down the road. Yeah, why not? <laughs> that was not a good show. We'll do it anyway. Um, I'll do it if you do it. So we have an interview with Vince talking to Money Incorporated. DiBiase comes out shirtless for this. He's just wearing his razor ring attire. A rare DiBiase interview with just his wrestling tights. There's yeah. a guy in the crowd. There's a guy in the crowd with a sign that says, "Isn't Rotunda stupid?" IRS. The best the sign camera- of the night. 
and hard camera cut away immediately. Start going to different angles like instantly. Is it because it's two insider? Yes, because it's 1993. Yeah, we don't do that kind of thing. <laughs> Take too much explanation. What did you think of Vince McMahon interviewing Money Incorporated? It was a, uh, it was a thing that happened. It was an interview. <laughs> Nothing uh, out of the ordinary except for, for Iris stumbling over two words, which I really have no right to criticize him for because I stumble over a lot of words. He does call SummerSlam Summerland at one point before correcting himself. Which is my favorite theme park. <laughs> I can imagine IRS on a roller coaster in his wrestling attire. <laughs> I'm having a good time with these tax cheats. <laughs> yes, yes, I am feeling very mirthful. <laughs> I thought this was a rubbish interview. <laughs> it did. It, it, the thing is, Vince McMahon is in this mode at the moment where... He is talking for too much of the interview. And he's doing it with everybody because I guess he feels like he needs to carry the momentum because there's 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 a time limit on this. But surely somebody like Ted DiBiase is a pro enough to be able to control the ebb and flow of something like this. He did have one good line, DiBiase, in response to something Vince said, where Vince is trying to go in the carnival barker mode because of... They're selling the steel cage match for, for the SummerSlam Spectacular against the uh, Steiner Brothers next week. He's like, but it's a steel cage match, and that's the most dangerous match in the world. Bad things could happen. You got thrown into the cage. And DBS is like, and you don't think we don't know how to use a weapon? Yeah. That's a good line. Because, uh, you know, the briefcase and all that. Exactly. It but, was yeah. nice. there, was, there was that, but it, was just, it just felt like, it didn't serve any purpose. It didn't. It didn't make me want to watch any of like. It didn't make me want to watch the steel cage match any more than than I did before. I still really want to watch it. It didn't sell me on it in any way. Like something like this should either sell me on it or or um or, or enhance it in some way. Well, there's three steps: there's motivation, intent, hype, and this was just hype. Yeah, there was no motivation and there was no intent. If you need a promo that encapsulates motivation, intention, and hype in 2019, then check out, if you haven't done so already, the OTT promo for Jordan Devlin versus David Starr. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. have you seen this, Justin? Yes, I have. Isn't it amazing? It is incredible. That promo, that video nearly put me on a plane <laughs> if i wasn't working that day it genuinely had me on on flight tracker trying to find a flight <laughs> your job is to make sure that everybody's watching and gotta put a little more thought into your hype sometimes although that right, right there as, as a positive example has a lot of people interested in that match a lot of people mm-hmm. we get a better title screen for men on a mission with some more uh Shall we say motivated graffiti this time? Well, the Mental Mission are not part of SummerSlam, so this is kind of uh, peculiar. For a hype show, why are they on? Well, they, they I think Raw, Raw in the last, well, since we started it, kind of does have this thing where uh, some of the elements just exist in their own time space. Like, we were building stuff on Raw the week before King of the Ring that was going to be paid off the week after on Raw mm-hmm. and not on mm-hmm. King of the Ring. So it's, it's fairly in keeping with Raw at this point. 
to see stuff so. that isn't building to a pay-per-view. I suppose you're right. Although this kind of felt a little bit out of place, but it, I mean, for a raw match, it felt in place. Men on a mission versus the Jobber All-Star duo of Iron Mike Sharp and Barry Horowitz. And just before this thing gets underway, we're we're plugging uh, a TV show featuring Bette Midler and Shelley Long, aka Diane from Cheers. Now that is out of place. Called Outrageous Fortune. <laughs> I love these little inserts by Vince plugging stuff on the USA Network. And this one's a bit weird because it's like every other movie is like some sort of erotic thriller with espionage and adultery and all that kind of stuff. That was sort of like the USA motif at that point. We had a show here called Silk Stockings, which was very lurid. Silk Stockings even sounds loaded. It, 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 was, it was something. My brother has one of the DVD sets because Roddy Piper's on one of the episodes, and he remembered watching that as a kid. He was kind of into it for reasons I can't get into. Actually, <laughs> or, or, I can't explain. It's, it was um, it, it was like if Miami Vice was even dumber. Amazing. I'm sold. <laughs> so we, uh, it's Mental Mission versus Iron Mike Sharp and Barry Horowitz. Mental Mission's entrance has the wacky cameras. Some of them even turn upside down and point at the crowd. And we get these insert shots of these dilapidated, run-down areas in the city. Because I guess they're giving us that they're poor. They're from the streets, Justin. They're from... They come from nothing. And here they are, changing the world on wages. Well, from, well I live on A Street, so... But you know, it's, like, it's, like, it's like a Kevin Smith line from the, from the one time he was talking about... Uh, I think it was John Peters. He was making the ill-fated Superman movie that never was. And John Pierce says, you know why we're good? Because we're from the streets. And Kevin Smith's <laughs> like, well, he's kind of right. I mean, I grew up on A Street. <laughs> <laughs> but they grew up on the rough streets where they didn't have nothing handed to them. And they're on a mission to tell people that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, through rap. Yes, it's uh, sad, sad that we never got Mean Street Posse versus uh, the... Men on a mission. Oh, a the three mean three. street, the mean street fight. Yes, that could have been a. Uh, it could have been the Wyatt family versus the Shield of its day. Oh my God, that Mabel Oscarumbo climbing on one side of the ring, as Pete Gas, Rodney, and Joey Abs climb on the other, and the crowd just start going, "This is awesome!" <laughs> fighting never. Please stop fighting. <laughs> Anything else. <laughs> and then some of the bells. No, please, not that. <laughs> there's so there's gets... something you can book on EWR. <laughs> so, Vince, so Vince gets in what would be the best line of the show if not for the forthcoming Luger interview, which is, nothing wrong with the hood, Mr. Heenan. <laughs> Vince McMahon from the mean streets of Greenwich. Nothing wrong with the hood, Heenan. If Vince was driving along one of those areas that they depicted in the opening video, do you think, do you think he would even get out of his car for five seconds? Oh, he'd drive faster. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. He'd speed up the way the Lex Express did through Sturgis. <laughs> so we get the really cool drop to hold leg drop spot on poor Barry Horowitz that always gets a pop because Mabel doing anything where he crushes a guy is always worth a pop. And then the front slam bulldog pancake thing finishes Iron Mike Sharp. 
Keenan's had enough of Oscar, and really, I can't blame him. And that's it. One the match is done in like less than two minutes. Yeah, pretty much. And one thing I noticed in the, in the post match when they were showing the crowd, a lot of the kids were waving their arms back and forth, and they love Men on the Mission. It's easy to see why because they're very fun living baby faces. A lot of the adults are just sitting there doing nothing. There's Except a couple for... of the adults joining in, and that looks even worse. Well, it's okay when Vlad does it, because, you know, Vlad's into everything. And we do see Vlad in the front row. He's super super jazzed up to be there, like he always is. Oh, I love Vlad. Super fan Vlad. <laughs> the best super fan of all time, next to Hat Guy. All the other fans that were kind of just... Meh. There was quite a bit of love for them. I mean, like, to watch this... To, to watch this encapsulated in the time, you, it, it did feel like... It was something special and it was something different. Mm-hmm. Like I know, I know that uh, Sydney Subowitz, who's joining us for SummerSlam, she was not a fan of Men on a Mission. This was very confusing to her. But to watch it in 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 the time that it was broadcast, mm. it it's it's over. You you can't deny that that the people like it. Well, yeah. I think at that point, you know, the whole rap sound was starting to, you know, permeate a little bit more into, in, into all different walks of life. And, I mean, it, that was the year that the Phillies went to the World Series and they had adopted Whoop There It Is as, like, their catchphrase because that's, that's when that song was popular. So it, 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 it does feel very 1993-ish. It, it, it is a sign of the times. So, I mean, I mean, I was fine with it. I mean, they, they were over. They were definitely over. They're big lads. They look different. The crowd like them. And every time Mabel does something like a big power move where he crushes a guy and goes, whoo, before, before then, the crowd loses it. Because they know someone's about to get hurt. It's true. It's true. It's, you know, it's, as it's, whether I like them or not, the crowd like them. And that's all that matters. But speaking of people that we like. Oh, the, here we go. I... I was afraid they weren't going to have one this week. I actually got a little bit nervous. But then when, when this popped up... Oh, mate, and they haven't just got one. This is probably the hottest one of them all. Vince McMahon refers to it, correctly so, as the ongoing saga. <laughs> Whoa, not a true word said. This is the third, and I believe final, Lex Luger biographic interview well to be fair having shingles is also an ongoing saga <laughs> i wish i'd had shingles instead um <laughs> this is so these have been the sit down interviews with lex luger your new babyface superstar your new hulk hogan who was this is third th- third times the charm third strike and you're out these two interviews have been designed to make him appealing and make him human. All they've done is made me realize what a boring man Lex Luger is. He's so he's so dry. He's like Dick Cavett with a great physique. Oh uh, yeah, that's you know what? Not a bad shout. He's <laughs> dry as a bone, next to zero charisma, and all this is doing is highlighting it. And they have saved, in my opinion. The best for last. Oh, I thought of you instantly because when they put up the Who is Lex Luger title card and immediately followed with Drugs in Sports, oh! I thought that is the greatest. I thought that is the greatest Cards Against Humanity question and silly answer ever. <laughs> who, who is Lex Luger? I close my eyes, or my hands are cards in them, 
as we're reading them. Drugs in sports. <laughs> I had, I had the pulse. So I could laugh for five minutes straight after that because that that killed me. It was oh geez. So this this needs a little bit of a little bit of background because it was during this time in the WWF there was lots of talk about uh, steroid abuse. Yes, and and Vince was actually uh, there's actually a grand jury investigation going on at this point. And in fact, when I was doing some research in the Observer for this episode, I found out that Jim Hurd, the former WCW uh, impresario who everybody hated, was actually called to the witness stand to speak before the grand jury because he refused to hire Tully Blanchard in 1990 after he was fired from WWE for failing a cocaine test or a drug test for, for cocaine, allegedly. And he was asked about that, if that was the case, if he had any contacts from the company that basically – Basically, he was being asked if um, if he was told in advance about his, about any drug problems that Blanchard may have had from somebody in WWE. In order, in order, that's how serious this was at that point in time. When to bring in Jim Hurd to, to speak before the grand jury about drug problems in another company. So, so that yeah. gives you an idea of the place that the WWF is in. Um, is this pre or post Hulk Hogan Arsenio Hall interview? This is two years after. Okay, so by this point, Hulk Hogan, the former head of the company, has said, oh, I don't know, drugs, uh, I don't know. So there is a lot of emphasis on drugs and steroids in wrestling. And Lex Luger, um, and if you had any doubt as to why... And by this point, after two weeks of incredibly dry, personality-barren interviews... You're now having doubts as to why, oh, why Vince McMahon has selected this particular specimen to be the leader of this new era. This interview sums up exactly why. <laughs> well, first, he earlier on, he talks about, you know, the, uh, the, the pressure and the somewhat reasonable justification for young athletes doing drugs in sports. You know, he... It's the whole outlook of, um, you know, I need to get better. I need to take shortcuts if need be. I'm not saying it's, it's, it's the most moral decision to make. It, it, it's obviously you know, highly questionable. But he's giving what I think is, is actually a very reasonable answer from an athlete standpoint. Although I must say, it is not making me interested to see SummerSlam at all. <laughs> yeah. Can we, remind, can we remind you that this is selling SummerSlam? Yes. He says he only experimented, which is funny because this was in the time of Bill Clinton's I didn't inhale. <laughs> <laughs> I smoked marijuana, but I didn't inhale. <laughs> so, so then we get the part that absolutely devastated me. Keep in mind that for these interviews, it's, it's been an unseen interviewer. For all we know, Lex Luger is in a rubber room somewhere, and he's shackled to the floor, and Jigsaw's about to kill him. He might be the only person in the room for all we know. He might, not be, he might be talking to a mirror a la Mojo Raleigh. Because that's the joke that we made last week. Is like, who on earth is interviewing him? There doesn't seem to be anybody there. It just seems like he's in a room on his own, just having a bit of a ramble. You know, like sometimes we do. You know, we're all guilty of it. But he's proper having a ramble. He's talking to the mirror like Stuart Smalley on Saturday Night Live. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, I have a bus. But that's what we thought. And but today we learn the identity of the interviewee. <laughs> well, 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 no, no, no. Interviewer, sorry. No, 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 because 
This person only asks one question. We only hear this voice one time, and it's Vince McMahon, and he, and he asks, Lex Luger, are you taking steroids? <laughs> it, 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 it was a hastily inserted voiceover, like added in post, and it, and it goes right to Luger's answer, and you can tell that nobody actually asked him a question. It's just edited in for him to, him to discuss it. <laughs> just, I'm like, here, I'll show you. My top guy's not on the juice. <laughs> it, was, it was the Poochie voiceover. I have to leave now. <laughs> he died on the way back to his home planet. <laughs> yes, the bus crashed on the way to SummerSlam. <laughs> I wish he had. Um... <laughs> so Luger denies it. He, he denies his own roids. I wrote, my God, here in the notes. <laughs> He's saying, and he says steroids are for sure not prevalent in WWF, and he, he gives the old excuse of he took them back when they were legal, which, I mean, that's – maybe you did, maybe you didn't. Uh. Here's the funny thing about that part of the answer. Vince McMahon asked Lex Luger, are you taking steroids? And Lex's answer is, no, no WWF doesn't even have steroids anyway, so you can shut up. <laughs> This well, is quite the... we didn't we didn't ask if everybody else did. We asked if you did. That's like it's like walking in, walking into the living room and seeing a kid sat there looking guilty. Go, have you done something naughty? And the kid going, no, didn't even have any biscuits from the jar anyway. <laughs> this is like half public relations, half uneven bars routine. One hundred percent bus fire. <laughs> What the interview, Yoko? Yoko, are you on roids? Dude, look at me. <laughs> right, there's there's two things about this about this whole debacle that I want to mention as well. Is that number one, uh, Lex Luger is is breaking the character and talking about such a hot topic in wrestling in an era where the fourth wall doesn't come down. Mm-hmm. Yet he still makes it really boring. Yeah. Really dull. Like, Jay, like I could watch... This is going to sound really bad. I could watch Jake Roberts talk about his drug use all day long. <laughs> because he's a compelling orator and told yes. a true story. Luger is dull. Dull, dull, dull. And the one... Did you notice this? This is my other point on it, and then I'll shut up about it, I promise. You're fine. Lex Luger forgot who he was talking to because he keeps looking off to the side to answer the question and then starts looking down the barrel of the camera <laughs> and just keeps going back and forth. Like, by this point, he's about an hour into these interviews. He's getting tired. He's forgotten what he's doing. And he thinks he's talking to the left. And then he's talking straight at the camera. (laughs) It's so funny. I do have two points here. Go on. One of which I've already forgotten, I think. (laughs) But the one I I definitely wanted to make is, who would have been a better interviewee in this case? Lex Luger or the current state of Dave Moroldo? I would rather have heard from Dave Moraldo, but that would have <laughs> that would have been that interview would have been black screen, white text. Who is Dave Moraldo? Fade, black screen, white text. 
steroids in sport, drug use in sports. Fade. I could use some. Fade I could use some to... drugs right now. Anything. <laughs> no, no, just fade to Dave Moraldo in the chair, slumped, still passed out. No, 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 like, no. And he slowly <laughs> slides down the chair <laughs> and collapses on the floor no, no, no. until Pat Patterson picks him up and puts him back in the chair. No, no, no even, even better, this is the bit. It's just, it's after roll ends and Moraldo's still laying on the apron. They show the hard camera shot. And then a side shot in black and white of his body still laying in the same spot that it was three hours ago. <laughs> then back to the hard camera again, and it's just that. <laughs> and then the Titan Sports logo in the corner. That is some Andy Kaufman level performance art. Good. Oh, God. God. Oh, what an headache talking about that. Give <laughs> myself a headache. <laughs> I think Lex Luger did as well. <laughs> I can't remember my cheese. <laughs> Lex Luger, are you on drugs? No, the WWF doesn't have any drugs anyway. So shut up. <laughs> no, no. I definitely didn't buy that stuff from that guy. <laughs> Lex Luger, are you on drugs? No, and nor is Vince McMahon. <laughs> oh, wait. Okay, that's the other point I wanted to make. Remember the... that you. That USS Intrepid footage that's on the network, it's, like, it's, it's an hour-long raw footage. Yes. You know, where they, where they show every attempt from like a, a, a two-camera shot. I want the raw footage of this interview. What oh, didn't air? Yes. That would be like the holy grail. Like, what did he say that they decided, like, oh, we shouldn't put that on the show. because that, that would probably wouldn't help our case too much. <laughs> and the, the bit they cut what? out was, are you, on, are you taking steroids? Yes. Okay, Lex. Right. Mean, cut. Cut there, Lex. That that's not the answer we need, mate. You mean this morning or last month? <laughs> yes, uh, they're delicious. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay uh, let's try that again. Um, Are you on yes, drugs? No. Yet yeah, no. We <laughs> get <laughs> <laughs> Lex Luger. Are you on steroids? And he says no, but he's nodding his head. <laughs> I endorse this product and or event. <laughs> oh, oh God, it, go ahead, Ike. Well, it's, it, it seems to say that, A, that is in the Unintentional Comedy Hall of Fame, and B, that should have been event because nothing was going to top that. Absolutely. Well, next we have uh, Bam Bam Bigelow and Rich Myers. Poor Ramblin' Rich. Him and his glorious mullet took an ass-kicking. Bigelow Lu looks great. That Lunas suplex landing. He takes a suplex during this match. Yes, he uh, holds him up for a, for a delayed vertical a la Davy Boy Smith. And instead of falling back, just drops him right on his ass. How did he not break his coccyx? I don't know what was more in indignifying him busting his ass or Luna spitting at him at the start of the match. <sighs> he's going to get. He's gonna need jabs now. Bobby Heenan carries his show by... By noting his attraction to Luna's scalp and head veins, which is kind of funny. Jeez. So yeah, of... we're just we're just rushing through this because we're very aware that we spent a long time talking about Alex Luger. But this As is a Bam Bam Bigelow and Rich Myers match that's very quick. Bigelow yes. batters him, nearly breaks his coccyx, pins him with a headbutt. Yeah, as simple as that. Be a Bam Bam looking strong heading into the six man tag at SummerSlam. Him and his Hedgefinger partners. All three jobbers got killed, although none as bad as Dave Moraldo. 
Dave Veraldo is still unconscious somewhere. I mean, today in 2019, he still is. <laughs> Poor Dave. Dave, he's laying in, three rings. He's laying in Lennon's tomb as we speak. <laughs> so we come to the end of the show where Savage finally delivers on, on his big surprise. And so this is, is the, the surprise he's been plugging the whole night. This is the big surprise from Randy Savage. It is the Macho Midget accompanied by four sensual models. Okay, so 80% is not bad here. So that's what happens. So he says, here's my surprise. Macho Man's music plays. Out comes the Macho Midget. Out comes four models. Are they raw girls as well? Well, there's Femmes and three girls I don't recognize. Although Savage names them Denise, Maria, Catherine, and Femmes. <laughs> and Keith. And <laughs> so they get in the ring. The women sort of walk around the ring and work the room. The Smiling. Macho Midget does all the Macho Man stuff. And then Macho Man, after an awkward silence from the commentators, goes, There you go! Surprise! <laughs> what a crap surprise. I don't know. I mean, it's... I mean, the midgets is whatever, but I mean... I don't mind seeing the ladies. It's, you. it's of its time, I think. It's a bit... If it, I think it, it feels very of its time. I mean, could you imagine today that Corey Graves, after one of his Twitter rants, going on Raw saying, I got a big surprise for everybody, and now comes a midget Corey Graves, and he has, like, Bailey and Sasha and two other Raw women, and they're like, uh... You know, not so much scantily clad, but just you know, dressed in, 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 in a very alluring way. And they just walk out and just stand in the ring. And smile. It would just be weird. It just We've moved on as a society. We still have a way to go, but we've moved on as a society. This feels so out of place. <laughs> there was a whole lot of 1993 on this show. Oh my gosh, so much 1993. So that's Savage's surprise. Thanks, thanks, mate. That's that's really great. I'm really and then pleased we close, that. And then we close out with some hype for SummerSlam Spectacular, and that's it. That is your go-home show for SummerSlam 1993. Justin, are you pumped for SummerSlam? Well, because I've seen the show, and I, I mostly enjoyed the show, I'm hyped for it on principle, but if I hadn't seen it, I don't see how this show would have helped me. Would you not have been more excited for Lex Luger, knowing that he hasn't done steroids? Um, now, now, when you say excitement, are we talking Lex Luger's bell curve excitement? Like, are we great, like, like, on a Luger curve of excitement, like, let's say, like, slightly jaunty? I would say as excited as Lex Luger was to say, it starts with a U, it ends with an A, and it's got an S in the middle. Last week during the contract signing. Yeah, that, that level of excited. That's where I'm at. He may have been like being you know, shocked remotely from backstage. Like someone had, like, like, had like a remote control and was like stunning him into like being excited. I think, yeah, they had to clearly push some, some rods up him to get him going. So I'm excited to see how excited he is come Sunday. So next week, when you watch the Cultaholic Classic Raw review, um, when you listen to, rather, you don't watch it. Yes, it's a, some gifts, uh, but... 
<laughs> it, will, it will be our special SummerSlam 1993 watch along. So you'll be able to press play on the WWE Network's version of SummerSlam and play on, on this podcast at the same time. It's basically like me and Justin doing commentary for you. Plus Sydney. Oh, and of course, from the Cultaholic Discord, we welcome back Sydney Skoberwitz to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. Very excited to have Sydney back. Somebody who wasn't even born when this show happened. No, and after seeing Men on the Mission, I'm I'm just grateful that she still wants to watch this stuff with us. Yeah, I thought she was she was not a fan of Men on a Mission at all. So she was pleased to know that uh, she's missed she's jumped that particular shark. You know what's uh, she's not very big on is um, Colonel the Beers. That's a random one to not be a fan of. Well, we were watching. Uh, well, I kind of forced her to watch the Team Challenge series thing on the network just for a goof. Well done. And uh, she got. She kept calling him Colonel Mustard, which I can't blame her. <laughs> That's a better gimmick, to be fair. She hated that and the Foxy Boxing. Can't imagine why. Oh, I wonder why. That was, that was of its time as well. <laughs> yes. Uh, so It was if, what it was. If you have anything that you'd like to bring to our conversation on SummerSlam, at JRH Writing on Twitter, do drop him a tweet. I'm at Tom Campbell. Do drop me a tweet as well. You, we will speak to you when we do the watch along for SummerSlam. Lex Luger, did you do drugs? No, and, and I, no one else did here anyway. <laughs> Love you, bye. Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic.